the Lord speaks to you at any time, or you want to speak to the Lord, you can respond at any time. If you want to come and kneel and pray, you come and kneel and pray. People will gather around you. You're not going to distract me. I've been preaching uh, longer than our young adults in the church have been alive. So you just respond any time that you want to come during this message. The Lord speaks to you. Don't wait for the end. We're talking about how God spoke to this man named Ezekiel. And he had a, he had a call in his life. He had something for him to do. And he wanted him to look out for the nation of Israel. And so he talks to him about being a, a watchman, a watchman. I think it's really significant as we think about the life of Ezekiel, why would we look at somebody like this and what can we learn from him? When we think about Ezekiel, he was an Old Testament prophet. There aren't any Old Testament prophets today. The Bible said there was going to be a final Old Testament prophet and that was Jesus. We're, just, we're living in a different time in what God's doing in the world. So there aren't any Old Testament prophets today. So we don't look at the life of Ezekiel to learn how to be an Old Testament prophet. But we look at how God spoke to Ezekiel and we learn about how God calls people. And we learn about what God is looking for. And it helps us to understand how we can respond to God's call on our life. You see, I believe that God has a call for every one of us. I do. I believe that with all my heart. We may not have Old Testament prophets today, but we have people that have God's called to be missionaries. We have people that God's called to be pastors. And I suspect if you're here today, uh, unless there's some, some new call in your life that you haven't told anybody about yet, uh, we don't have any pastors among us. We don't have any missionaries among us. But God does have a call in your life. You see, this is Ezekiel was a unique person who lived at a specific time, had a certain call. God has a call for your life as well. And so it's about learning to listen and responding to the thing that God has designed us for and called us into. You know, as we look back through the history of Israel, there was lots of ups and downs. If you read all throughout Israel, you'll find they had some great days. There was like the time of David, whenever the whole empire was expanding. There was the time of Solomon, when they were the wealthiest they had ever been. And people came from all over the world to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But there was also really dark times, before and after that. There was the time of the judges, where the Bible says everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. It was just a time of chaos in which everybody decided what they thought was right. And then there would be times after the glory days of David and Solomon in which people would rebel against the Lord and he would discipline them. And so Solomon had a son, Rehoboam. And Rehoboam was not a wise young man. He did something that would split the kingdom and they would become the northern kingdom, which was, would be referred to as Israel after that, and the southern kingdom, which was normally referred to as Judah. And both of these groups of people ended up in rebellion against the Lord. And so the northern kingdom was carried off by the Assyrians. Not because the Lord didn't have the ability to protect them, but because this was God's discipline in their life. The southern kingdom, which Ezekiel ministered in, was carried off by the Babylonians. And Ezekiel was carried off and he's in the exile when God calls him to be a prophet. 
not an easy time to be a prophet. He's not even he's not even in the promised land anymore. He's living as a captive in a foreign land, and God calls him to be a prophet. You know, as we think back through church history, the last two thousand years, there have been lots of ups and downs too. There was there was times and of a great movement of God. We think about if you know anything about church history, the Great Awakening in America that happened in the about the 1830s, 1840s, and led the rest of that that century had tremendous impact when uh, preachers were preaching in open air and thousands came. Benjamin Franklin was not a believer, but he wanted to go hear George Whitfield. And Franklin recorded that about 15,000 people showed up to hear George Whitfield preach. Franklin said that he didn't know where they all came from. God was moving in this, this great awakening. We've seen times when church has been growing. Churches were full. We saw a time in America where every respectable person would have been gathered in Sunday morning for church. But we're not there anymore, are we? In fact, people will disrespect you for attending church today. We're at a different time. You see, the nation of Israel was up and the nation of Israel was down. And throughout the New Testament church, we've seen times when the church was up and the church was down. You can either pine for the days of the past, or like Ezekiel, you can say, Lord, what do you want me to do right now? This man, Ezekiel, who was, would have been a priest, is called to be a prophet. And God tells him that he wants him to be a watchman. So today, uh, we still have uh, watchmen, but because the technology is a lot more sophisticated, right? Uh, you're hopefully not going to be able to enter U.S. airspace undetected. We have radar and all kinds of things. We have government agencies that monitor our borders. And in Ezekiel's day, it wasn't quite that sophisticated. Every city had a tower. And up on the tower, people would have shifts. And you simply watched for an approaching army. And if you saw that someone, an enemy was coming, you were about to be invaded, your job was to alert the whole city, wake everybody up so that they could prepare for battle. That's what a watchman did. They looked for danger and they warned the people. And God said to this man, Ezekiel, he said, you're going to be a watchman for Israel. That is, you're going to look for danger and you're going to warn the people. Except in Ezekiel's case, it wasn't an, an opposing army that he was looking for. But it was sin and rebellion that would bring them under the discipline and judgment of God. And he was to warn them. He was to warn them. And so today as we look at how God called this man, that's the passage we're looking at. In the next three Sundays after today, we're going to look at different passages from the book of Ezekiel. In today's passage, we see how God calls him through the story of the watchman. So Ezekiel chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 16. I want to ask you, would you just join me in standing as we read this together? Ezekiel chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. Here's what the Bible says. And at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman 
for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done will not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning and you will have delivered your soul. Let's pray together. Father, help us to understand this call in Ezekiel's life and why we should expect you to call us as well. Help us to understand what you expect from us, what you desire, that we might live a life pleasing to you. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, one of the things we can learn from uh, Ezekiel and the other prophets, I think, is that God expects us to serve as his messengers. I think we see that all throughout the Bible. Not, not just here in Ezekiel, but we see it all throughout the Bible, that God expects us to serve as his messengers. You see, God speaks to us. The Bible says here in verse 16, at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Now, I don't think you should expect the Lord to speak to you in the same way that he spoke to Ezekiel, but you should expect him to speak to you. See, in Hebrews, it talks about how God speaks to us in different ways. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says, Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. So the Bible says here that a long time ago, God spoke to the prophets, and Ezekiel would be an example of that. But in these last days, and of course this is written in the first century A.D., he spoke to us by his son, and that's Jesus Christ. So God speaks to us in different ways. One of the ways that God speaks to us is through his word. So listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, just three chapters over from where we just read. It says, Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible says about itself that, that, that it is living and, and active. Now, I don't know if you're a book person or not. I, I, I love to read, and I've read some great books in my lifetime. And some of them helped me in all kinds of different ways. But I've never read another book that's anything like the Bible. One preacher said it this way. He said, you read other books, but the Bible reads you. And that's what Hebrews is saying here, that, that the Bible is able to even see the intentions of our heart. So whenever we read, we should expect to hear from God. 
And the Bible would say also about itself in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all Scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. So, so that's why in Sunday school and in worship, we look from all passages in the Bible. Because it says that, that all Scripture is inspired by God and that it's all profitable for teaching. So uh, we probably, if you've read the Bible very much, you probably have certain passages you love more than others, right? Most everybody has a favorite passage. Some people have a favorite book. And we think about our, the passage that really warms our heart. I, I don't know if there's anybody here today that may think, you know, what. Sometimes when I just really uh, uh, want to experience that again, I, I just go read the book of Leviticus. Anybody do that? Yeah, some of y'all read Leviticus before, haven't you? I'm going to be preaching on Leviticus tonight. I don't know if it's a good thing to tell you that or not, but I will be preaching on Leviticus chapter 1 tonight. There's passages that are a little more endearing than others. Some of the stories we connect with faster but yet the Bible says that it's all profitable and it's all good for teaching. You see, God speaks to us through all of it. So this is the amazing thing is that there's all these people around the world with different religions and, and they're, they're hoping that they might, they might hear something from, from a God. And yet the Bible says that God has spoken to us. He's spoken to us through his word. He's spoken to us through his son. He's spoken to us through the Old Testament prophets. And Romans chapter 1 says he's spoken to us even through creation. We can look at the world and see the nature of God according to Romans chapter 1. So God has spoken to us. So you should expect God to speak to you. Because he will. Through his spirit, he convicts us. He draws us. He guides us. He directs us. God will speak to us. And so the Bible says here about the call of this man's life. He says, the word of the Lord came to me. God spoke to him, and God speaks to us as well. Now, God speaks to us so that we can speak to others. As a preacher, you learn pretty fast that there's hot topics and there's, uh, well, just deadly topics. You just don't announce you're going to preach about them or nobody will come, right? It's a, some, some major things like uh, uh, nobody wants to hear about sex because you know, everybody wants to do what they want to do without feeling guilty about it. So nobody wants to hear those messages. That's never popular. Nobody here wants to hear about uh, giving money. That's always really unpopular. Th those would be the two top things. And then I would say the third on that list is sharing our faith and telling others. We're interested in receiving, but we're not interested in, in sharing. We want it to be private and just keep it to ourselves. But it doesn't work that way. You see, God speaks to us so that we can speak to others. And so verse 17, he says to Ezekiel, says, Mortal, I have made you a sentinel. Uh, that's the guard that keeps watch. I've made you a sentinel for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them a warning from me. So God's call on Ezekiel's life was to be this watchman, this sentinel for the nation of Israel. And think about what Jesus 
commanded his disciples before he ascended, in, ascended into heaven. Acts 1.80 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, you'll be my witnesses. You see, God may not have called you to be an international missionary go to another country. God may not have called you to be a pastor and lead a church. But God has called you to be a witness. God speaks to us so that we can speak to others. Have you ever thought about this? I suspect there's a lot of believers here today. How did we become believers? Did somebody tell you? Did somebody invite you? Did, when you were a child, did somebody teach your Sunday school class? Were, were there deacons in the church serving? Was there a preacher? Did you hear a preacher someday? How, how did we get here? So, so God used people. So, so then the question is, are we going to allow God to use us to then help the next generation? To help the next person. That's how it works. God speaks to us so that we can speak to others. We become his witnesses in the world. God's concern was not just to save Ezekiel, but God's concern was to raise Ezekiel up to be his messenger. And I think that God, in, in different ways, not the same for everybody, but in different ways, he wants us to all be his messenger. He, he wants us to be a light in, in a dark school where very few people are pursuing the Lord. He wants us to be light in a dark workplace, surrounded by employees that maybe aren't seeking the Lord. He wants us to be his voice in our family, to show and to tell our children and our grandchildren that they need to pursue the Lord. God could work any way that he wants to, but if we look through the Bible, we find him constantly working through people, through people. He called Ezekiel, and I think that he is calling us as well. One of the things that we learn as we see about the call in Ezekiel's life is that God expects us to be faithful. He expects us to be faithful. That is to be consistent and to keep doing the things which he has called us to do. He expects us to be faithful, but here's something that you may never thought about, and I think we see it in the lives of the prophets. He expects us to be faithful, but I think he also intends for us to trust him and leave the results to him. I want you to notice this tremendous responsibility that God puts on Ezekiel. In verse 18, he says, If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give them no warning to speak to warn the wicked of their wicked way in order to save their life, those wicked persons shall die for their iniquity. Listen to what he says to Ezekiel. But their blood I will require at your hand. Do you know, we, we have the truth of, of the good news of Jesus. That God loves people so much that he sent his only son to die for them. That when Jesus died on the cross, he made a payment for our sin. A payment that can be received as a free gift if we just believe and trust in him. He came that we might have eternal life. He came so that we wouldn't have to die in our sins, but instead we could die clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He came so that we could have a hope that's beyond this lifetime. 
And I suspect that a lot of you came to church today because you believe that and you know it. But to know that is a tremendous responsibility because God wants us to share it with other people so they can know as well. He says to Ezekiel, if I give you a warning and you don't warn the people, their blood I will require at your hands. Now listen to verse 19. Here's something really important. I think this is empowering and it can set us free to be bold in our witness. He says in verse 19, but if, if you warn the wicked and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their wicked way, they shall die from their iniquity. So their fate's going to be the same, but listen to this. But you will have saved your life. You know that other people's response to your witness is not the measure of your ministry. Faithfulness is. Do you know that some of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, by every human standard of success, were completely unsuccessful? Now, how do we measure success in America today? Don't we use numbers? I mean, if you own a company and you get together with a bunch of other business leaders, you know what they're going to ask you? They're going to say, what was your sales last year? How, many of that was, was, how much of that was revenue, uh, was profit? So it's sales, right? If you have a sports team, what are they going to say? Well, how many games did you win last season, right? Numbers. We measure everything. So, so how do you measure a church? Have you ever thought about that? How do you measure a church? I'll tell you how a lot of people measure it. Say, well, how many are you running in, in worship? How many are you running in Sunday school? You may have never heard those conversations before because you hadn't been to a preacher's meeting with a bunch of self-righteous, hypocritical preachers. But if you, if you go to one of those meetings, that's what you're going to hear. You're going to say, well, how, how many are you running in worship? How many are you running in, in Sunday school? And if someone leaves and they go to a church of the same size or smaller, they'll, they'll say, well, what happened to him? Well, maybe God called him to go there to another place to help. That's the way we measure things humanly, right? We measure by numbers, numbers. I, I think for a long time we've been counting the wrong things or at least focusing on the wrong numbers. You see, I think instead of focusing on the attendance, which we have no control over, we should perhaps count how many people we invited to church this week. Maybe instead of counting baptisms, we should count how many times we shared the gospel with somebody this week. You see, the former set of numbers measures the results, but that latter set I just mentioned measures faithfulness. Faithfulness. And that's what God's calling us to. He's calling us to be faithful. Listen to the call of the prophet Jeremiah, who, by the way, his preaching may not have produced converts, but it produced one of the largest books in the Old Testament. I think that says something about what God thought about his ministry. And here's what it says when God called him. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 25. God said, from the day that your ancestors came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. Yet they did not listen to me or pay attention, but they stiffened their necks. 
they did worse than their ancestors did. All right, now here's, here's what God tells Jeremiah, who's about to be a prophet. He says, so you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. That's what God told Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, I'm calling you a prophet. And I want you to preach, and I want you to call people to repentance. But I'm going to tell you now, nobody's going to listen to your sermons, and nobody's going to respond to your invitations. Now, maybe we'd say, well, well Lord, what's the point? Like, like, what is the point then? here's what I know you and I are pretty poor judges of who's going to respond and who's not have you ever seen an unlikely person be saved now, if you've been to church here the last few months we've seen some unlikely people get saved uh, we've uh, seen some senior adults be baptized if you ask me say who's most likely to be saved children students college age students young adults or senior adults I'd say well not senior adults but that's who we've been baptizing here lately. I think we're about to baptize another one soon. Isn't that amazing? We're not, we're not, we're not very good at knowing who's going to respond and who's not. And that's why we just need to be faithful and persistent. And we need to invite and we need to share and we need to pray. And then we just leave the results to God. He's measuring our faithfulness, not, 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 our, not our results. We don't know who's going to respond or why. So we just share constantly. And that was the same with, with Ezekiel. He said, if you go warn a wicked person what's coming and they won't listen, they're going to get what they've got coming. But you, you will be, you will save yourself because you've been faithful and did what I asked you to do. Ezekiel's call was not just, though, to the wicked. God also called him to minister to believers who had what we would call today backslidden. Listen to what he says in verse 20. Again, if the righteous, not, not wicked people, but righteous people turn from their righteousness. So these are people that are living the life but then get off track. They turn from their righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before them, they shall die. Because you've not warned them, they shall die for their sin, and their righteous deeds that they have done shall not be remembered, but their blood I will require at your hand. So some people are, are, are going to backslide in their faith, and they need faithful people to help them. So when we think about God calling us to be a messenger and God wanting to use us, it's not just about having people who've never heard to hear. It's also about having people who heard, have known better, and yet have gotten off track to, to get back on track. And you know that there is, there's a reward for helping people who have backslidden to become red hot in the faith again. This is what the Bible would say to, to Ezekiel, verse 21. If, however, you warn the righteous not to sin and they do not sin, they shall surely live because he took warning. But listen to this. And you will have saved your life. Here's what the New Testament says about this. James chapter 5, verse 19. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back 
by another. You should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. You know, as I study history and the history of the Old Testament, history of other church, uh, there's a lot of things that are different, but it's amazing how much is the same. How much is the same. And we look at this life of Ezekiel, and we see a man who lived at a time when many people were far from God. Many people were living in rebellion. There was all kinds of wickedness. Maybe you look around at wickedness in the world today, and you're just kind of appalled. And that's good, you should be, but it, I don't think it's anything new. It's nothing new. Wickedness has always been in the world. There, there's, we're, we're not living in a time that's any more morally corrupt than uh, the first century in which the early church exploded. When you look at the perversion and all the things coming out of Hollywood today, it was just as bad in the Roman Empire in the first century. Don't, don't think that we're living in some kind of unique time. That nobody's ever had it as hard as you it's never been as difficult as it is for you that's not the case for any of us but during dark times God has always called people to rise up to be a light to share truth to help people and so in the midst of this moment in a time in American history where percentage wise fewer people are going to church than ever before you can get discouraged you can give up or you can say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Are you calling me to teach Sunday school? Uh, are you, you calling me to, to befriend the one person at work that doesn't have any friends? All right, well, what do you want me to do, Lord? And I think, I think if we'll ask with a sincere heart that we want to hear from God, I think we'll hear from him. And then don't ask if you don't want to hear from God. You know, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't always do what we want him to do. It's frustrating, isn't it? So, so, don't, so don't ask unless, you're, unless you're, you're willing and you're ready. But I think if we ask the Lord to speak to us, he will. So today, as we close this service, I just want to invite you to seek the Lord. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Just ask, Lord, what would you say to me today? What's your call on my life right now? What's your call right now? What do you want me to do? And who do you want me to be? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us in this moment to truly seek you with all of our heart. I pray for every person that may be just apathetic, they just no longer care, they're just concerned about themselves. God, would you give us a heart for others? I pray for those that have, that have gotten out of church. I pray that you'd help them to see through their excuses. And Lord, they'll come and serve, worship, 
God, if there's somebody here today that they've never been saved, I pray today they'll call out to you in prayer and receive forgiveness and eternal life. Lord, help us to be your people and serve you and depend upon you. For it's in your name that we, your son's name that we pray. Amen. We're going to sing, and I, I just want to invite you to respond to the Lord as he leads you. I, I don't know what God wants to do specifically with your life. I'm still trying to, every day, every day, pursue the Lord myself. I was, uh, I was talking to the staff this week, and a staff member, and I don't even know how we got into this conversation, and, and he was asking me about following the Lord, and I said, you know, I said, I, I don't know if I'm going to retire here or if I'm gonna, the Lord's going to send me to another church next week. I, I, don't, I don't know, and it doesn't matter anymore. I'm just, every day, I'm just, here I am, Lord. What do you want me to do? How do you want to use me? And I hope that'd be your attitude. Maybe you've never taught Sunday school in your life. But God's put a burden on your heart for some age group. For some group that just doesn't, their needs don't seem to be met. Now I've discovered that a call often begins with a burden. So if you've got some burden for some need, that maybe God's calling you to meet it. Maybe you're here today and you came because somebody invited you or you wandered in. And, and you say, Pastor, I don't, I'm not even sure what you're talking about. It's all new to me. Here's what I want you to understand. God loves you more than you can understand right now. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. So you could be forgiven and you could receive the gift of eternal life. And if you want to receive that gift, when we sing, you just pray and talk to God. And tell him you believe and ask to receive forgiveness. Say, I don't really know how to do that. When we sing, if you'll just step out from your seat and meet me here in the front of the church, I'll, I'll help you pray. But you don't need me. You can be saved right there in your seat where you are. So as we sing, let's respond to the Lord. Let's stand together.